the Exton Moss Experiment. Adventures in Wine and Space with Simon Exton and Ken Moss. Episode 22, Doctor Who, The Five Doctors. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Exton Moss Experiment. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And today we are watching Doctor Who, The Five Doctors. This is our anniversary special. Woohoo! Because happy birthday to happy us. Happy birthday to us. Yes, we're going out a year after our first podcast, the 4th of August. So we thought that we'd do something anniversary-y. And since Simon absolutely adores The Five Doctors, and I'm quite fond of it myself. It, it's the, the story that turned me into a Doctor Who fan rather than just somebody who liked Doctor Who. And recording this quite a way in advance, but as this is going to be going out on the 3rd of August, mm-hmm. I will be in the middle of moving house and city. So I will, within a week, be living in York with a new job. Congratulations. And as such, I think it would be churlish not to get out a tonic screwdriver and pour you a drink. Absolutely. <laughs> What we have is Blackwood's Vintage Gin, and this is a Scottish gin from the Shetland Islands with botanicals of wild thyme, meadowsweet, cowslip, and eyebright. And the reason I particularly picked this gin is that this bottle of gin was my leaving gift from Quantec when I worked in Glasgow. Mm. It's a lot more subtle than some that we've had recently. I I really Mm. like this. It's got a sort of bittery floral taste. It is. It's as bitter as any Scotsman. It's got a really nice bite to it. The The bitterness isn't overpowering. No, it's just... You still not. get the, the botanicals coming through. And they're, they're interesting botanical flavours because I wouldn't have known what cowslip and eyebrow and all of that... <laughs> eyebrow is like. a new one, yeah. That's... But no, that... That is a, that's, that's a very nice gin, very easy to drink. Mm. Um, you couldn't neck it. No, I don't think you'd want to. That no. would come up and blip you. Yeah. But no, this is lovely. This is a definite five out of five for me. Oh, um, I'm not that blown away by it. It's, um, it is very good. It's very well made. But again, there's not enough to distinguish it for me from a lot of other gins. So for that reason alone, I'm going to give it a three. But it is very, it's a high three. A little bit of disparity. Mm. And, uh, no, I, th- I think this is a lovely gin. I think this t- it ticks all the boxes. I don't think we'll have any trouble finishing more of it. Well, there may be an issue with that. We haven't. There wasn't very much in it. Oh, God. The wasteland of the kitchen after we've had one of our drinking sessions. Uh, recording sessions. I mean, that is the number of bottles is partly because I get tasters that are only 50 ml at a time rather than the fact that we're raging alcoholics. Oh, no, I was talking about the... Uh, this is the second day of our uh, sixth recording block and Simon's measures are what might be termed... Heroic. Heroic. Uh, it was the, the very word. And we have come down this morning. Well, you want to be able to taste the gin, so you don't yeah. want to flood it. I will say this much. It's very easy to nod off at night. But it's um, we're, we're four hours into the morning. In fact, we've crossed into the afternoon now. And, it sounds over the yard, huh? And we're back on the gin. This is at least the second one we've had this morning. Yeah, again, tasters. Tasters, tasters that's all. Tasters, and the podcast wouldn't be the podcast without a, a, a gin review, so... We're suffering for our art. This is a feature-length podcast because The Five Doctors is a 90-minute episode. Um, but before we, we launch into it, we'd better go down into the archive and pick something out. Right, well, what I'm going to choose from the Black Archive this time is an anthology series from the 1960s. Uh, the early 1960s called Out of This World. Now I've talked about Out of the Unknown before which is a BBC an- anthology series of um, classic science fiction plays and adaptations of novels and some, uh, some original stories as well that was done in the started in the, mi- in the mid 60s went through to the early 70s. Precursor to that with the same production team um, led by Irene Shubik was a ITV one uh, one series anthology called Out of This World, presented by Boris Karloff. Now, of the 13 episodes, only one survives, which is an Isaac Asimov short story, Little Lost Robot, and we can do that uh, a feature sometime. But the remaining stories, there are some very, very good ones. Um, one of the, the few 
adaptations of a Philip K. Dick story. He's the one that did Man in the High Castle. Um, Blade Runner. Well, or yeah, Blade, well, do Android Street yeah. have Electric Sheep? But what became Blade Runner? But there weren't there have been very many adaptations of his stuff onto television, and I think Out of This World was probably one of the earliest, if not the earliest. There is a, an adaptation of a wonderful story called The Cold Equations, which was also adapted for Out of the Unknown, and is also a missing episode from that. And I would love to see more of it. Little Lost Robot is clunky, particularly though the robot costumes are, are very clunky. But it, it's very well played, the sets are, sets are nicely done, and it's a very clever story. Excellent. Well, I'm going to uh, pick a series from the 1960s. There are a few that still survive. It's Sherlock Holmes. Uh, there were two series made by the BBC that were very lavish for the time. Uh, the first series was with uh, Douglas Wilshire, and the second series... Isn't it Wilmer? Oh, Wilmer, rather, yes. Um, and the um, second series was with Peter Cushing, who remains to this day my favourite ever Sherlock Holmes, I think he is. Not Basil Rathbone. Not Basil Rathbone, no. Peter Cushing, he was the Sherlock Holmes in my head when I was reading the books, because I read the Strand magazines long, long before I ever saw anything on television or film. And it was only when... There was a, an illustration on the cover of the... I think it was the Penguin version of The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, of him sitting in an armchair with his hair swept back in a smoking jacket. And that, to me, when I saw the three or four of the Peter Cushing ones, which are in wonderful condition, it has to be said. And actually the Douglas Wilmer ones are pretty good as well. They are, yeah. They've they've all been released on DVD. Mm. Um, But I enjoyed those so much with Peter Cushing, and he's got all the mannerisms and the the acidic nature of, of Holmes so spot on he is my all time number one so I would love to see the rest of those back I don't think we will but that's my choice yeah and the, the thing that I really like about the adaptations of the, the Sherlock Holmes and this includes the, the later ones the Jeremy Brett mm. is that they maintain the cleverness of, of Sherlock Holmes because whatever else you do with it whether you bring it up to date all of that that's window dressing Sherlock Holmes should be clever mm. Sherlock Holmes and the early Agatha Christie's came out with the plots that we now regard as cliched. And they're cliched because they're, they're so clever, they're, they're overdone. But they were the originals. So above everything else, Sherlock Holmes should be clever. Mm-hmm. This is my problem with Sherlock. It's not clever. It's witty, and but that that's dialogue. The plots are dumbed down. That to my mind, is an unforgivable sin mm. of Sherlock Holmes. Whereas Elementary, which is the American, the American update... Is it Lucy is Liu with that? Is Lucy Liu and uh, Johnny Miller. Brilliant. Really, really, really good. Is it Reese Evans as Mycroft? I've never seen Elementary, but a couple of people have said how good it is. It, it is superb. Mm. Really well worth worth watching. Modern day... Yeah, modern day ad- adaptation, but orders of magnitude better than Sherlock. Mm. We'll do a Sherlock Holmes episode at some point. We can do a Wilma, a, a Cushing, a Brett, a Sherlock. Oh, it's um, not that bad. It the, is, it's the, awful. I, uh, I thought I would hate it. I honestly thought I would. And uh, it was only Christmas time that I sat down and watched some. And I actually found it quite... No, that, that pilot episode where they, they spend the entire time trying to work out what the, the connection is when it is blindingly obvious that the connection is they got into a cab. That level of, of dumbness isn't forgivable in Sherlock Holmes. You, get, you can witty up the dialogue, that, that bit of it is great. Actually, I probably wouldn't have too much of a problem with Sherlock if it wasn't Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. Holmes and if, it, if, yeah. it was an, if it was a completely new character, yeah. it's the fact that they've said, this is what Sherlock Holmes would be now, and no, it isn't. Yeah. Sherlock I, I'm Holmes, with you on that. This Sherlock is... Holmes now would be a damn sight cleverer than that is. Yeah. This and is, elementary uh, is. Well, this has been my problem with um, a lot of things, that they've dragged Sherlock Holmes into the modern era, or they've modernised old Sherlock Holmes, which is where the dreadful film with I know there are two and I've, there's a third one in production with Robert Downey Jr. What on earth is that bastardization? Those are terrible. Yes, I agree. But they probably wouldn't be if it was just some sort of Victorian louche, which is what they portrayed him as. Yeah. Anyway. But segueing wildly, getting back to the point, yes, both both the Wilma and the Cushing Sherlock Holmes series. And I think there were, there was an earlier adaptation which doesn't 
which hasn't survived. I'd, I'd have to look that up. But yes, that, that's a good choice. Let's slam the door shut on the vault and go and watch The Five Doctors. Right, well, here we are, and this is the transmission version. We did debate briefly this morning which one we were going to watch, although... Uh, it wasn't really a debate. It, it was, was, it was me it? saying, I don't want to see Mr Whippy. Yeah, the, the transparent turd, rather than the... Uh, the wonderful monolith. Time scoop effect. So, Some of the... Up- I don't actually have a problem with updated special effects in Doctor Who. It has absolutely made kinder. Looks good in the Dalek Invasion of Earth. Yep. The one yeah, they've, they've the done that with. I haven't actually seen the, the Day of the Daleks one, but we can give that a go. That, that one I'd like to see, yeah. Um, but to my mind, there aren't any of the, the special effects in The Five Doctors that have been improved. Mr Whippy is far worse because because <laughs> I really like that that big black monolith effect and it reminds me of the cover of the radio times yes, with the, yeah, the big black monolith changing the lightning effect on the, the, the Cybermen that's something of nothing the TARDIS uh, multiple dematerialisation I actually think is better in the original than the, hmm. the updated let's play the tape yeah let's let William Hartnell have his moment of glory one day I shall come back yes I shall come back until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. He Just really was superb. And prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. I'm, it's really nice that they popped that little bit in at yeah, the beginning. Yeah, it is. Although he would probably have been horrified that he was replaced with a gay actor. Again, I didn't know Richard Herndall was gay. Um, I only know about, know about it because somebody else made the comment that he would have been horrified. Because myth makers, he refused to act in scenes with Max Adrian for that reason, I believe. Right. New TARDIS console, seen for the first time. Um, now, I always loved this version of the console. I've got a real soft spot for the original, but yes, this is this is shiny in 80s. and The recall circuit makes it into the new one, because Andrew Beach owns the that now, I believe. What, the whole console? Mm. Well, the there is a story somebody told me, I can't remember who, that he spent £1,500 of uh, the little Perspex thing, Pentagon, replaced with a, a hexagonal one because everything else in the TARDIS is hexagonal. That could be apocryphal. But I was I can't I was told that at some convention by some someone quite high profile, the name of which escapes me. So apologies if that's a totally untrue story. But, uh, but every time I've seen the console since it does have a six-sided recall uh, circuit on it. Now where's this? Wales. Oh, the exterior. Bit of a, bit of a precursor there. Oh, it does make it in. Do you know, the, in the extended version, the, the actual TARDIS prop is more prominent. And I always thought it was a shame for whoever had lugged it up to wherever they are and built the thing that it didn't actually make it into the final cut. But it does. You can just see it through the gateway. I didn't realise until I saw the three doctors again that this is exactly what William Hartnell was he was wandering around the garden in the three doctors when they scooped him there. The, the monolith is so much better than Mr. Whippy. Having seen it again, I agree with you. Yeah. I don't really get the likeness with Hartnell at all. They've got him in the no, thing. David was, Bradley is much closer. Oh, he's much better. It was, there was, Shots in Twice Upon a Time that he could have been Hartnell. Yeah. I think they did it absolutely wonderfully. And I've said before, Twice Upon a Time is one of my favourite episodes now. It's, I think it's beautiful. Yes. Nothing happens in it. And Gatiss should choose the sets, but he always does. Mm. You know, I can't tell you how much I was looking forward to this reunion. Now, in the original script, he was... Uh, the Brigadier was with the third Doctor. Yes. And Sarah was with the fourth Doctor. Yes, that's right. And Troughton was with Victoria. Mm. It's such a shame that Tom Baker was a bit arsy about not being in this. I think it would have. I know people have said it would have. You'd have had another persona in there to do something with. But Terence Dix has done a marvellous job with this. Oh, yes. 
And again, this is the story that made me absolutely fall in love with Troughton's Doctor. For once, I was able to steer the TARDIS. Oh, this is wonderful. And who is this? That's Colonel Crichton, my replacement. Oh, Lieutenant Carstairs. In from the war games. Oh, I hadn't realised that. You've had this place redecorated, haven't you? Don't like it. There are just some wonderful Troughtonisms. Yeah. I mean... My favourite in that little bit is, yes, mine was fairly unpromising too. <laughs> and Omega, don't forget Omega. And that's the coat he had in the... Abominable snowman. Yeah. I'm amazed that the terrible Zodins never popped up in Big Finish. Great chunks of mine past. It is actually a much better effect. I've never really... I've not seen this version for years. I've, I've only seen the Mr Whippy version once. I haven't actually seen the, the Five Doctors in, oh, years. And again, this is a lovely effect, that, um, that illuminated table. Yeah. Oh, uh, they've cleaned it up because it, it uh, was still there, fading out in the original version. Good old restoration, too. Some of his memories, you know, a time lord even more so. I mean, that's a very, very nice location wherever they found. Mm. Filmed at the house of the bloke who set up Port Marion. Many of the Welsh locations from the story are dotted around the vicinity of Port Marion. Sarah and K9 have moved from that lovely big house in Morton Harwood to Oxbridge, apparently. Well, she probably got clobbered with inheritance tax and couldn't afford to keep it on. Mary Wimbush only died quite recently. It's only a few years ago. I think. Well, some of the Hula and I have been very long-lived, but there are a couple of them that got into their hundreds. Only a few. Olive Pooley did. The, uh... Oh, the chap from Tenth Planet. The black astronaut. What was his character's name? Schultz. It was somebody in Schultz, wasn't it? Oh, it's such a shame we didn't get a full version of Sharda. Yeah. I can I can understand why it all happened, but it's such a shame that we got Megalos instead. If you look, I read this somewhere, if you look at all the scenes with the close-ups of Romana, mm. they're all in standing water, because Tom Baker had said emphatically that he could punt, and it turned out he couldn't. It looks very simple, but have you ever actually tried? It's, it's yeah. reasonably hard work. And I can understand why they decided not to remount it at the beginning of um, uh, season 18 because everything had changed completely about the programme, the costumes, the TARDIS, the style, everything. Yeah. I can understand why, why it happened. It's just a terrible shame that it did. It is, In the yeah. same way as it's a terrible shame that they, with inv- Invasion of Time, then all the interior TARDIS stuff is in that old hospital yeah, it does look terrible and it jars badly and actually I, I really like the way that they tie in the, the not having Tom Baker into the plot yeah it, it would have been lovely if he'd have turned up for the uh, the publicity shots rather mm. than the, having the, the wax work and it would have been nice if they could have brought some of the other companions back for li- for little cameos in the way that they did with Jamie and Victoria yeah. and Fisheye and Liz Shaw. Because I think Ben and Polly were supposed to be in that corridor as well. Oh, were they? Yeah. And at the time, Annika Wills was off doing something hippie-ish and they couldn't get hold mm. of her. And I believe they felt that Ben on his own wouldn't work. Yeah. Now, is that the, the children in need where... The, they have that whole great long I, slew of companions coming through the TARDIS, including Adrienne and Hill. Hill. Uh, yeah, in Hill, not Corrie. Um, I have got that in my head that that's 1985. I could be wrong on that. But it would make more sense to have it in 83, but... That's quite a frock. Is it how, how far is he up the Olvia scale? Oh, we're, get, we're getting up there. It, he has arrived. For real... High-level Olvia, you need something tight-fitting. That, that's a bit house-dressy. <laughs> when the emergency session, the members of the Inner Council are unanimous. Which indeed we are. Having said that, Flavia's hair with all those bits of bead and fake pearl in is prime Olvia territory. <laughs> I suspect when we do Terminus, we're going to be horribly disappointed with what Olvia actually looks like. Well, 
I said this on the Twitter feed a few weeks ago. Will the universe implode if we rate Olvia in Olvia's? <laughs> he really does chew the scenery. He does. He's good. But he's not Delgado, and that's the problem for me. He's. I think he's my least favourite of the Masters. The first Master I remember is the Beavers. We are prepared to offer you uh, a Deadly Assassin. Yeah. We can offer you I'm really glad they've run with beavers on Big Finish. Because particularly in... Um, the very first one he did was Dust Breeding. Oh, it's a wonderful story. It is marvellous on Absolutely. every level. Yeah. And his introductory scenes where he reveals himself. It's the end of episode two. I can hear it clear yeah. as day. He's just dripping with menace. And it's wonderfully done. Yeah, I mean, Big Finish almost always sounds wonderful. Big Finish always sounds wonderful. They've got really good um, sound engineers. It's almost always very well acted because they get good professional actors. My problem is that it's always been with the scripts. When they get the script right, then it absolutely flies out of the speakers. And Dust Breeding is an example of that. And actually, I've just finished listening to The War Master, and that's another example of it. It's nice that they got the Daleks in this. I quite like the running down corridors bit with the, with Daleks. It's a nod to the the amount of running down yeah. corridors corridors that there is, and they get it all out of the way in one little little segment because you couldn't have done this without the uh, the Daleks. Mm. With Terence Dix just gets Doctor Who yeah and that team of Barry Letts and Terence Diggs that they really screwed down because they had a, a very definite they both had the they were pulling in the same direction all the time yeah they clearly got on personally and it just gelled the so we've got the Philip Hinchcliffe era where as producer he had the, the whole feel of his entire era which is just Wonderful. Um, I mean, it's my first. It's not quite my first memories of, of Doctor Who, but it, it's certainly my cl- first clear memories of Doctor Who. Mm. Are things like Seeds of Doom and Seeds of Doom is one of my absolute favourites. Yeah, Seeds of Doom, Deadly Assassin, uh, Mask of Mandragora. All of these I remember clearly at the time. Now, I can still remember things like bits of Genesis, bits of the Ark in Space, mm. the the very end of um, Plant of the Spiders. Plant of the Spiders is, is my oldest memory of Doctor Who, because I, I think I'd have been six at the time. And then there are things like Ark in Space and Zygons, where I have fairly clear memories of bits of it. But by the time you get into the Hinchcliffe, I fairly clear memories of as much of the episode as I got to watch. Mm. Any time you ever see a Dalek with uh, red lights? Oh, oh, there we go. The dome was an original Shawcraft prop from 1963. Plans that I, I really like plans of the Daleks. Mm. Now, when the the Blu-ray comes out, <clears throat> we should watch plan because um, the the colorization of episode three is fantastic. I'd be really interested to see what they do for, um, for the Blu-ray edition. That, that's actually really well done, CSI. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, oh, the, this sequence I, I love. Like I said, this is what convinced me how good Trout was. Um, the scene coming up is the infamous Cyberman wearing jeans when he gets gripped through the wall. Oh, I hadn't realised that the, the Autons were originally supposed to be in this. No, neither did I. It, the, the shot's not as bad as I remember, but... I don't really think she needs pulling up that very gentle slope. The way they filmed it, it looks much more of a slope than it actually is. Mm. She must have been so uncomfortable in that cagoule. It's a horrible outfit they've given her to, re- to wear, isn't it? I think the teeth and curls was originally her line. Sir, yeah, it was. Her tweed necked. Yeah. Oh, she's fantastic, isn't she? 
I was thinking the other day about the, the my favourite Doctor companion combos. I mean, my Hartnell for me still works best with Stephen. I think they bounce off each other well. I loved Troughton with Polly and Ben. Yeah. Pertwee, probably with Joe actually. I think even though Lishaw for me. Yeah, it's a toss really up. Like it's a toss up. Joe, not so much. I think I'm looking at it from a different perspective. A bit, uh, possibly so. Um, I mean, she, she's entertainingly mad and a, a lovely person, but Katie Manning isn't a great actress. Mm, I'll um, give you that, yes. Whereas Caroline John is. Mm. Was. That would be my choice for, for Pertwee and for Hartnell. Ian and Barbara. It does work. Yes. With mm. whoever else as incidental. I'm... Susan rather than Vicky, really. But. Tom Baker's got to be. It's it's a close Tom, run of thing. I do like Leela, the, the, the Sarah. Dad, but it's got to be Sarah. And she and works look better at with how Baker Susan is looking at the fifth doctor. That That's that's really quite almost incestuous, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, well, she's just staring at his cock. I'm sorry to say that it did look like that. Yeah, She's almost licking her lips. But Tegan's definitely the, the best pairing with Davison's Doctor. It's just a pity they never got any solo stories together. I think that would have been interesting. Yeah. Colin Baker doesn't have a lot of choice, but I'd have to plump with Nicola Bryant on many levels. And uh, the same. And, and she has the best, one of the best companion exits ever. And certainly the best companion death. Yeah. It's just a pity, pity she didn't actually exit in that way. Yeah, but she did. Perry dies. She doesn't die. She de- think, of, think about it. The only evidence that you have that she's not dead is one brief Matrix scene. And at that point, we know that the Matrix is being manipulated by the Master. The Master wants to distract the Doctor at the time. He knows that he will get caught up in the fact that Perry has died. So he shows him a manufactured comforting image that will enable him to mentally say goodbye to Perry. But it's all false. Mm. Perry's actual exit is the death scene, and it's brilliant. I must admit that, that if that if that well, I personally don't think so because she crops up in other things. She's been in a big finish. She's been in a, a novel post that I think she met the seventh Doctor in a novel. I yeah, think. as Gillian in oh, it's not damaged goods, is it? Um, it, it? It's a really good novel. It's the novel that really freaked me when I read it. The first thing that happens in it is um, somebody gets their throat cut. And it wasn't massively long after I, after I was knifed, so it, it was a whole load of resonances oh, there. Right. But fanfic isn't proper fanfic. The big finished stuff and the new adventures. New, new adventures. You, I, I know it's a difficult one, but... The, the new adventures is an argument as far as I'm concerned because that is professionally produced and BBC licensed. You're talking nonsense, my boy. Big Finish we is fanfic. It might be it might be licensed, but it, it's fanfic. You could say the same for the new adventures. If anything, a lot of the new adventures were of much lower standard than the worst Big Finish. Oh no. no the no, Pit, no, no, no. Shadow Mind, Doctor Who and the Pirates. I'm not a fan of Doctor Who and the Pirates. Um, there is some utterly dreadful big finished stuff there are some utterly dreadful new adventures I think the signal to noise ratio is better in the new adventures than it is in big finish one that I, I, I must admit I really really did enjoy Long Barrow I thought that was a there, there are some that are, hmm. that are superb um, oh, it, it's going to irritate me until I remember the, um, the book that Perry is in you forget that at the time that this was filmed it had only really been sort of seven or eight, eight or nine years since Persuade had been in it. Yes, because this is the only time Sarah ever meets the Master, isn't it? Yes, it is. The prop here is clearly the lid of a jam jar, the seal of the High Council. But I did think it was nice it pops up again in Matt Smith's final story. It's quite a snazzy cloak, that. Mm. Well, presumably the transmat from... Gallifrey dispenses black cloaks because he wasn't wearing it when he uh, set off. And it's nice that it's got the seal of Rasslon on as well. Mm. 
Apparently he was absolutely terrified of explosions. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, which is why they had to do that thing in just one take. He was a bit of an arse with big finish, though. Just wouldn't. He just would not do it without an obscene amount of money. I, uh, I don't see that as being an arse. I, I, I actually see that as somebody trying to bargain for their their skills. And at the point that Big Finish would have been chasing him, jobs were probably fairly few and far between. So putting a putting a price on your skill and your historical value. I don't have a problem with that. And, you know, Big Finish likes to think that it's a professional production company. You're a harsh bastard, you. Well, <laughs> it's, and I, I think now there is, there's a perfectly reasonable argument to say it is a professional production company. But at the time they would have been chasing them, uh, chasing Anthony Ainley, they'd have been a bunch of, of fans. And if a bunch of fans came and said, we'd like you to spend a, a, a couple of days recording audio, that's right, okay, these are my professional fees. I get what you're saying, but when you've got the actual doctors signing up, if they're prepared to do it... And I don't think the money's ever been appalling. No, no one has ever said they're doing it for Tuttons or that they've ever done it for Tuttons. Yeah. And going right back to Sirens of Time, because bear in mind they were doing the Benny stuff for a couple of years before... Sirens of Time's awful. Oh, it's not. It's not. I, I still have a soft spot for Sirens of Time. The way I look at it is this. The Sirens of Time was the first big finish I bought. I never, never got into the Benny stuff. Oh, you see, the first couple of years of big finish, I got, I got all of them given to me. A kind of weird swap thing. Mm. There was somebody I knew in America who absolutely loved a god-awful New Zealand... Um, I think Australian and New Zealand sci-fi thing called The Tribe which they couldn't get in America. So I used to record it, send him the videotapes, and he would send me all of the, um, the new Big Finishes. So I got all of the Big Finish Doctor Who's for, I think, about the first two and a half years for doing nothing but doing a bit of recording and posting it over to America. But the way I look at it with Sirens of Time, that story was the catalyst for me spending a couple of grand with Big Finish now if it had been that bad which I still don't think I still think it stands up quite well now the sound design on it oh Big, Big Finish has always sounded great mm. early days some of their uh, performances were a little bit ropey mm. but th- these days all of their performances are done by professional actors there's recently only been one standout terrible performance which was the vampire in the, the Budapest thing one of the fourth Doctor and Leela ones and actually it's quite it's quite a well written story but all the Hungarian soldiers have London accents and the lead actor actor the one playing the vampire just sounds as though he's being strangled it's it's distractingly awful health and safety will have a feel there with that now Patrick Troughton wearing a fur coat and waving around a real flaming torch and lighting it himself. They must be interrogated first. Again, the 80s style Cybermen, I really like. I do as well. And there's a, even though there's a bit of emotion about it. Oh, Master and his big black dildo. In, um, what was it? Mark of the Rani. There's a story that he got quite angry with um, some of the guest cast because they were just taking the piss out of the TCE. <laughs> Why would you? I think all the stuff in the Capitol that uh, he ends up doing was originally Tom Baker's part of the script, wasn't it? Mm. Susan was generally fairly useless anyway. Yes, so. she was. So was there ever planned to be a, a Hartnell Voices from the Past bit in the tower? I don't know. Does per- Pertwee and Troughton get them? The info text may fill us in. Fourth appearance yeah. of Bruce. Oh, yeah. uh, Invasion of Time as well. Yeah. It's badly overused, Bruce's regeneration. It makes it difficult to build up any continuity, but 
Uh, Leonard Sachs, I think, is my least favourite one. There's just no on-screen gravitas there at all. Angus Mackay is a, a pleasure to watch. As with was it John Arnott? The original script has Bruce summon Commander Maxill to remove the Castellans. Oh. That would have been interesting. That would have been interesting. You see, I always assumed that successive regenerations of Bruce was an, an indication that a lot of time passed on Gallifrey. Uh, in between I'm, stories. That's the only way of looking at it. Uh, but in that case, why don't they all regenerate? Mm. Unless he's particularly accident prone. That's a big finish spin-off series. The home life of Barusa, where he sticks a fork in an electric socket or slips whilst getting out of the shower. Yeah, they don't need encouragement to do bad spin-offs. Electrocutes himself with the mind probe. Actually, to be fair, Big Finish's spin-offs tend to be of higher quality than their Doctor Who stuff. I don't know. I've made the conscious decision, with the exception of the War Master. I just could not resist Derek Jacobi hearing him again in the role because he's so wonderful. Mm. I refuse to buy the spin-offs. There's just too many of them. Um, what have I got? Countermeasures I really like. The Sarah Jane stuff was was good. The first unit with the David, David Tennant was good. Yeah. But they all suffered from the, the big finish effect, which was... There's somebody, a character that's close a character to that's working, A new character that's working with them uh, is revealed to be a traitor, and that happened over and over and over again. But they seem to have got over that because they, they've just done uh, Star Cops audios, which are really good. But they kind of play with that, and it looks as though that's the direction they're going down. Mm. And there's a character who seems to be falling into that role. And then they switch things around at the last minute. It's very well done. I think somebody must have pointed out the big finish effect to them and they've done something about it. Now, again, a nod to the restoration team. The original transmitted version of Five Doctors, the Raston Warrior robots, freeze-frame disappearances and reappearances were terrible. And they've completely sorted that out. The Raston Warrior robot, it pops up again in the Eight Doctors. I seem to remember it's at the Eye of Harmony. Oh, the Eye of Orion, rather. And Terence Dix turns it into a sort of um, T-1000-esque puddle of liquid metal that reforms itself. Some of the books did really nice takes mm. on some of the sort of more minor, older villains. Alien Bodies does a brilliant job with the Crotons. Yes, I think so too. So presumably those um, stasers have regeneration limiters. Yes. See, this is really nicely done. Mm. It's a shame the, the Yeti never made another appearance. But actually, at this point, for a 15-year-old prop, that's looking pretty good. Yeah, it is. Health and safety field day. How do you madden a robot? Hmm. And bringing the, um, the cave wall down is very abominable snowman too, isn't it? Mm. That door creaks before he opens it. And I, mean, I suppose it was the 80s, but she does seem to have turned into quite a fan of very heavy makeup, mm. doesn't she? Maybe that's what happens in the 22nd century. I mean, the number that get off in this story, they don't seem to have dumped a, an awful lot of Cybermen into the... Um... Well, there's two squadrons, isn't there? There's one, there's one lot trying to blow up the TARDIS and another one getting slaughtered by the robot. And then there's the ones that go into the tower. Yes, there are, that's right. Mm. Now what do we do? Fly? What a splendid idea. Scene lost from the final programme as Sarah chucking a rocket. That was in the... Sarah, Sarah does that is it exists yeah, in the yeah mist yeah that's quite a nice shot mm. right, that should do it. main door opening he must have a hell of a throwing arm where's the throwing the rock bit uh, just before while he's yeah but have we seen it this time around no because it's in the special edition yeah, I could swear I remember it in there transmitted. But I, I do generally watch the, uh, the special edition. 
You can understand why it was taken out. Peter Moffat, the director, I've seen an interview with him somewhere and he was not happy that Five Doctors was recut with 10 minutes of extra stuff in it. Because that, that's why you edit things. Mm. Less is more. What else is in the special edition that isn't in this? I can't remember, but the the very noticeable when they turn up. It could cost you your life. Gee, this is all a bit City of the Excellence, isn't it? Mm. And actually, the lightning strikes are better than this, but not enough to justify Mr. Whippy. Really nice sets, but kind of reminds me of the Citadel in Time Flight. Yeah, yes, I suppose so. He does do Hartnell's arsiness very well. Mm. Oh, I didn't know that about the very last thing. Richard Herndall, I've been called back after some months to record the the line about pie. Because he got the numbers wrong. It still doesn't make an awful lot of sense, the pie and the chessboard thing. Again, Big Finish have tried to make sense of it in Zagreus. Oh, oh, I didn't like Zagreus. Painful. Yeah. It was a, an, an attempt to do something different, but it didn't work for me. The times <clears throat> Big Finish really fall on their ass is where they try to do specials, and they try to cram way too much into it. Have you heard The Light at the End? That mm. actually works quite well. And the other one that they've done that does nicely is The Four Doctors. And it's they're really nicely done. It's, it doesn't do the whole cramming everything in thing. They're, they're done well. And here we are. Not that little fellow in the check trousers and the black frock coat. And more, there are five of you now. It's nice that they got it back. I really like these little sequences. And yeah. um, Troughton's one as well. It's a shame that uh, the first Doctor doesn't get mm. one. Yeah, little... Little too fish-eyed and scary for me. Well, Victoria should have done this. Jamie instead. Because I, I thought the the original original version had Victoria with Troughton. Uh, I can't. I know that all the companions sort of shuffled along one. I would have much preferred to see that. With the Brigadier? Brigadier with Pertwee, Sarah with the fourth. Which was the original. Yeah. Interesting use of bubble wrap. She was pregnant at the time, so they had to... Of, of all of the 60s companions, she's the one that has the picture in her attic, isn't she? Mm, she is. Well, yeah, to be fair, he's not doing too badly. There's a, lines around the eyes, but beyond that, it's not... Not to the same extent she is. No, that's to, to be fair, yes. Stay away! Yeah, this is, as has been pointed out in the information text, that particular scene is the argument for season 6B, uh, a series of adventures taking place after the trial in the war games. And to be fair... It makes an awful lot of sense. There have been at least two books in the novel series that were set during that time, and explicitly mm. so. This really has got to be, and the two Doctors, really, if you think about it. No, because at the start <coughs> of the two Doctors, there's talk about dropping Victoria off to learn graphology. Yeah, but he's visibly older. Yeah. And that again, that's um, retconned, if you want to use that. At the end of the novel, I think, it was it called? Oh, that looks great. Yeah, it's a good shot. Nice match shot, that. There's been no mention in the notes that um, of a sequence with Hartnell's companions. Of course I'm here. You don't imagine anything you two can do would stop me, do you? He's marvellous, isn't he? Happily just watched Troughton all day saying whatever it was. It changes nothing. And that's in the special edition, isn't it? The my version isn't any better. Mm. He is a bit scenery chewy, isn't he? Yes, very. Um, So, for all of those doctors, that must just look as though he's pointing a black dildo at him. him. Because although 
Pertwee had seen the TCE before, it was a different design. Mm. It's not terribly surprising <laughs> they don't look particularly particularly afraid. It's sort of looked at him and said, a little more detail than I needed, thank you. But not particularly scary. That whole sequence with the Cybermen and the bomb doesn't really make a lot of sense because Susan must know that it's not going to do any harm to the TARDIS. Susan was always a bit shit. <laughs> it wouldn't really surprise me if she didn't know. I assume somebody's got those models somewhere. Yeah. Or possibly not. They may have just been chucked out afterwards. Probably not, because at this point there would have been the, uh, the Doctor Who exhibitions, wouldn't there? Yeah. yeah. Oh, JNT displayed the figures in his office and then kept them as a memento of his time on the series. That's really quite a nice set. De- a nice depth to it with all the machinery. Uh, a lot of them have been, because the, the tomb's great. Um, and that's in the yeah. Wrestle on Lives, You Can't Die, it's immortal. It would have been nice to have Warris Hussein. Yeah, that would have been a nice touch. Maybe it would have pissed off, uh, what's his name, Eric Saywood. That's a really nice explosion, though, Mm. fair dues. Because every interview that I've ever read uh, that Eric Saywood just... Oh, no, it's the other way around. Oh, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Ignore all that. He didn't want old monsters old, but it was... which that bit really doesn't make sense because if you want him to go there and, and get to the uh, the tower why put things in his way mm. and it's one of the things that Paul Miles bangs on about in his one of his dreadful Irish wild time books the dead zone interminable bits of those books where Iris goes on about the, all the things that she's done which is similar copies to old Doctor Who stories and it's Paul Mars saying yes well you've done quite nicely but actually I could do better I may have mentioned how much this annoys me you have and it annoys me to the same extent I don't have any sort of fondness for Paul Mars's Doctor Who having said that his stuff with Big Finish is actually generally very good Exilis is Exilis was yes it's um, very good um I wasn't wildly keen on the hornet's nest and all that. Um, I quite like the the feel of the first one. The opening sequence, in fact, a, a long way into the first episode of Hornet's Nest, the stuff of nightmares, it's actually very nice. And um, Richard Franklin does a really nice job with it. And then Tom Baker comes into mm. it, and there's the cottage and what, and it's all extremely nice. But the rest of it, no, it's. I, I've tried to love it, but I can't. Brigadier's paying no heed to that. You know, it might might have been a bit busy with Tom Baker in as well, especially with the way he tended to go off script and. It works as it is. Yes, it does work. Because um, with with him not being contract as the lead with the way he tended to like to be centre stage mm. there'd probably be not an awful lot of controlling him no whereas the four of them to share the screen time and again this wrestle-on I prefer the, um, the new effects one not as good yeah impressive moustaches mm. Raslon does sound a little ginned. <laughs> those, they're horrible, those with the red eyes. Pretty horrible, that bit, actually. Yeah. They use his image of Raslon on the back of the uh, book cover. Hmm. Of uh, eight doctors. Richard Herndl doesn't half look like my nana. It's impossible. Even the, the mannerisms <laughs> and the voice. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, the there is a four-part edit of this out there somewhere. Then this, the cuts are on the DVD set somewhere. 
You see, I think this is quite a nice effect. Mm. How does she know it's a rackety old TARDIS? Because she's never been in a different one. I think she's been told often enough, isn't it? And, uh... and to be fair, she, she does <coughs> bellyache about not being able to control it all the time. And um... if, if you think about Tegan, I've thought this over the years, all she ever wants to do is go back to the TARDIS and get back home. She's But then once she gets there... I quite enjoys it. She... No, but once, oh, she, once, she, gets, once she gets back home... Yeah, she wants to get out again. She makes the choice to go, yeah. back, go back with the Doctor again. She's the only one of the companions having got home, then... De- oh, classic companions. Having got home, then decides to rejoin. Mm. And I think that was... That was actually what was intended, rather than she wanted to leave at the end of... Um, time flight. And then oh, yeah, that was always the intention. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I test. Oh, I love that. If it had been, if it had been Nissa and Turlow on their own, that would have been a very odd dynamic. I mean, yeah. Nissa might actually have had things to do. Mm. Um, and again, I'm not certain that that's that good an idea because Sarah Sutton isn't. The, the world's greatest actress. Rebuttal? I can't think of anything to say. Um, again, for various reasons which won't apply to you, I've always rather enjoyed watching Sarah Sutton. And a Big Finish have given her a lot to do, and I think her character works quite well. Yeah, it's the Donna Noble thing. The character works, works well. I don't think it's well played. Right. You've you mentioned it once or twice about Donna Noble. Once or twice, in passing. Um, With non-specifics, obviously. I mean, having said that, she's not quite Katerina bad. Yeah. Dave Armageddon's really properly ruined that, hasn't it? Yeah, because when, when, when she was the, the last companion to have, a, to have an episode, she only had those, those few clips, you could kind of forgive things. And now it's the... The, uh, pole, the, the photograph woman, pose. <laughs> woman at CNA poses. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's time for me to stare off into the distance again, isn't it? There is a lovely bit, actually. Um, stop looking oh, at that wall and come here. <laughs> we, we assassinated the poor woman. No, I've just realised the special edition version, the, the other disc in this box set, mm. there's a bonus commentary on it with David Tennant, Phil Collinson and Julie Gardner. They're just clearly having the time of the... They're delighted to have been asked to do it in the first place mm. and they have a real good time doing it. But you have to... Search, I can't remember where it is on the disc. And you can't just select it. See, I tend not to listen to commentaries. I don't generally. It depends what it is. There's only been one or two where I've, been, uh, I've listened to the commentary. Generally, I regard the, the actors as kind of moving props and I don't care too much what they think. Unless there's something particularly interesting about them as a person. So Annika Wills, I can listen to mm. talk for ages because she's a genuinely interesting person. Actually, Sophie Aldred is just a, a really entertaining mm. person to listen to. But most of them are ordinary people with ordinary lives who happen to have worked as actors. Mm. And I spend my entire working day listening to ordinary people's ordinary lives and I'm mm. not particularly interested in listening to anybody else's. So you enjoyed that, though? That was- I, I <laughs> loved that. Absolutely loved it. It, it. I have probably seen The Five Doctors more than any other story. Given what they had to contend with in terms of actor availability and changes and... Constant changes all the time during producing this story. I think it's amazing it's as good as it is. Yeah, you see, with the five doctors, we had a video recorder at the time, but tapes were horrifically mm. expensive. So I was allowed to record a tape. Sam and I each had a tape that we could put whatever yeah. we wanted, and I had the five doctors on mine and kept it for ages and ages and ages and watched it and watched it and watched it to death. And the other stuff that I, I wanted to watch when I wasn't going to be around, I had to fit into the, the remaining hour and a half yeah. on, the, on the tape. Well, we had a V2000, which was uh, a wonderful tape system. And I don't know why it never... I can only assume it was because it was the tapes were expensive or something. But they were double-sided cassettes. Oh, like, so, like um, C90s used to be. Yes. 
and you take them out and turn them over. And the record tabs, it was a little flick switch, rather than breaking the tab yeah, off and then having to and tape then putting over blue it tag or something in it. They were just a much better design. The tapes were eight hours long. So I had one, and on one side of the cat, Thomas the Tank Engine, all the episodes of that, and Doctor Who and the Daleks, um, oh, Daleks Invasion of 2150. And I played it so often that the tape snapped in the end, that was it. and so all of this was lost, including Five Doctors. I didn't see it again for at least some of the ten years. Because I remember my mum recording it, and asking me over and over if I wanted to watch it, because she could have, she could use it to tape something else. So I did eventually see it. The only scene that sticks in my head from being a kid was the Dalek scene. The rest of it I can't remember at all. No, I remember it clearly watching first off and watched it a lot of times since. And then have tended to watch the, the special edition since. Because um, wasn't it the special edition that was released on VHS? VHS in 95 with the King's Demons. Yeah. And there was a big, it was very exciting. Updated effects and stereo sound, surround sound and... Extra footage, it was a big deal. And then with the DV, the DVD, it's still the special edition I tend to watch. Mm. That must have been, I do, I've not seen the, the transmission edition for years. And every, every time I put the special edition in, I forget that it's the Mr. Whippy one. I think on balance, the transmission version just wins out. There's not a lot in it, but um, I do think less is more in this case. Um, it was nice to see that extra footage. And they, the scenes they chose with Tom Baker in it made more sense in the, the special edition because they put them back on the camp as if nothing had happened. Yeah, that does make more sense. And actually, I quite like having the extra footage in apart from Sarah chucking that rock down the Yeah, the that hill, was that's just cringeworthy. Awful. So, yes, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Well, what so. better way to celebrate our first anniversary than watching a Doctor's special Yes. It has been a much longer edition than usual, but we hope you've enjoyed it, boys and girls. And we haven't quite finished yet. Oh, we have of to hear, course. We have to hear from Siri. I am Persian. Name your price. Yes. I forget this bit. For Doctor Who's, for those of you that haven't heard this bit before. We do a drag queen index. And the drag queen index is measured in all the years. Mm. This, uh, I think there's only one standout, isn't there, really? Is it going to be Barusa? Oh, no, the Drag Queen Index is for the story as a whole. We've, uh, we've moved away from the Drag Queen of the Week that we started off with. Right. Um, so the, the the Drag Queen Index describes the whole story. Now, the, Flavia's hair is... Mm. Um, mm. That, that's very flouncy. The, the, the flouncy frocks that the, um, the Time Lords wear, they're a bit flowy and heavy for your, your, proper, your proper drag queen. For proper drag queen, you want something reasonably form-fitting. What about none of those are. Sarah's condom coat? Bloody awful. Mm. Sarah's entire outfit is bloody awful. And it being the 80s is no excuse. And equally, Susan looks as though she's dressed out of a charity shop. <laughs> Which is slightly unfair, because you can get some decent stuff. You can. I've, I've bought plenty of nice shirts yeah. from charity shops, yes. Okay, looks as though she's dressed from a bin. That's all right. And okay, she's possibly supposed to be because she comes from a a sort of post-apocalyptic London that's rebuilding itself and obviously doesn't have time to... Design proper clothes. ...make anything nice to wear. Sarah, no excuse whatsoever. And Tegan's outfit isn't great, but it was the 80s and it Mm. was a very 80s outfit. Romana's got fruit in her hat. You almost say that as though it's a good thing. No. Okay. Never understood Glad the, we're on the same the page. No. Yeah, but lots of Romana's costumes don't make an awful lot of sense. The, the, the dreadful maternity wear that she's wearing in it, it's Nightmare of Eden, isn't it? That that blue tent. Oh yes. Come on, stick to the five doctors. Haunt of Nymon costume is quite nice. That, that's the that's the sort of riding pinks, isn't it? Yes. Uh, welcome to the latest edition of Trini and Susanna. <laughs> What are we thinking? It's not the worst example Actually, of Actually, for the Drag Queen Index, it should be Tranny and Susanna. I would never dream of using that word. I've seen the Twitter sphere and light this week that somebody's dared use the word Tranny. I can't think of anything for the sale on this. Um, Is it I, I'm, I'm cruising going, sort of two to three? I'm area? going for three. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Three out of five obvious for the Drag Queen Index, the five Doctors. We only do this for Doctor Who stories, by the way. If we did it for everything, it would just be uh, every... Oh, do we not do it for the Corridor people as well? Well, yeah, but that was, an ex- that was a mad exception because it was so blatant. 
and the corridor people just plucked out of the... Um, I, I think I may have wanted to give it more than five. <laughs> <laughs> Six out of five Olvies. <laughs> going into Olvier overload. On that note, I really am going to sign off before we the Hollywood bar music starts playing up. Thank you again, everyone. It has been a bit longer than usual, um, but we hope you've enjoyed it anyway. We shall see you next time, whenever that is, because this is a, a special extra edition. And do keep writing in with your comments, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening, and a happy anniversary. The Exton Moss Experiment featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss, and the title music was performed by the BBC Symphony Orchestra. All featured television soundtracks are the property of their respective producers, and no infringement of copyright is intended. The programme was recorded in Rushton, Lancashire, and produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit our website at extonmossexperiment.blogspot.com or find us on Facebook.